Luke chapter number one. Luke chapter one. Very familiar passage, a wonderful, 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 wonderful prophecy of the Savior's birth. Right. Now let's um, start in verse number 26. I'm just going to read a few verses to get started. And then we'll pray and get into the message for today. Verse 26, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for thy word today. We thank you for this, the passage that we have read right now, and for the scriptures that by thy grace that we will go through today. I pray for the, the help of the Holy Spirit. I pray for strength, Lord, and for clarity of thought and, and voice to be able to bring a message on this great, great passage of scripture. And we're so thankful. For the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the product of what we're going to look at today, and our eternal salvation, eternal life, is all dependent on what He did for us. And we're looking forward, I'm looking forward, Father, with great anticipation to just tracing this through the book of Luke. And we're thankful for it. Bless our time in the Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've already said, the book of Luke, uh, the first chapter... It gives us two of the Bible's greatest prophecies. Um, the birth, the prophecy of the birth of John the Baptist. We're not done with that one yet. And we gotta, we'll finish that. We'll fill that in as we go through chapter 1. John the Baptist, who would be a great prophet of God and no, no less of an authority than Christ himself said, there's never been a prophet greater than him. Right? And so that's the Lord's commendation of the ministry of John the Baptist, and of course, secondly, the prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ, the only begotten um, Son of God. And so, oh, there's so much that we that that brings to our minds uh, from the Scripture. But one of the things that always comes to my mind is the time when God, God walked upon the earth in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He was the only begotten Son of God. The greatness of what Gabriel announced and explained to Mary. Um, is beyond description. The Son of God would come to earth, God in the flesh, as a baby boy, and then to grow up to be, become a man, to be, to be the Savior, and one day to rule on the throne of his father David. So let's take a look at this passage this morning, a story that is old, yet ever new. Remember back in Bible college days, uh, singing a Christmas cantata there, and that was a line of one of the, of the songs in the cantata. I'll say the story of the Savior's birth. So thrilling. Old, yet ever new. 
And so it is. And, and I don't know about you, but every time I read this, it's like I'm reading it for the very first time. It's a wonderful, a wonderful reminder of what God did for us. And so, first of all, then, we're going to take, we see Gabriel's appearance to Mary. And God sent the angel once again. Verse 26. And in the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this is the same Gabriel that we talked about last week. Message to uh, Zacharias about John the Baptist. And Gabriel means strong man of God. So as the person appears here as in the form of a man, and he, he delivered the message to Zacharias, and then he delivered God's message to Mary, and obviously something that the Old Testament prophets had prophesied, even about the virgin birth, and many aspects of, of the Lord Jesus coming and his ministry. So he is sent from God. So the message is from God. The word is from God. The prophecy is from God. The promises are from God. Sent to a city of Galilee, a region in northern Israel, and his the city was named Nazareth. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna just mention a little bit about Nazareth. Nazareth was a, a a little town. The name Nazareth comes from the Hebrew word Nazar. And nature means a sprout, a twig, or a branch. And, um, and so-called because of its smallness. It's a little tiny little city. And supposedly its insignificance. A couple times in Christ's earthly life, this question, this comment would be made, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Um, kind of, never mind. <laughs> kind of like Mashaka, right? People, I don't know. Anyway, I love this little town. I really do. Trying to do something here by God's grace. But I think a lot of people would say that about our town. Could anything good ever come out of Mashaka? Well, there has been a few things. But we're going to see, we're going to trace Nazareth through this study as well. We're going to see that it becomes very significant um, in the plan of God, in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he, he is sent. It says in verse 27, Gabriel was sent to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now just a few things from this verse of Scripture. First of all, it describes Mary as a virgin, which means that she was sexually pure. She was untouched by any man. She had never been with a man. And she's, gonna, she's going to mention that herself later on in the passage. Um, this was necessary for our salvation. Um, let's take a look. Keep your finger in Luke. Please go back to Genesis chapter 3. I know this is familiar, but I want to remind you of the promise that God gave. Really, um, it's, a, it's really interesting because in the context of Genesis chapter 3, God is speaking to the serpent. God is speaking to the devil. And uh, about this promised one who would come. And so, in Genesis 3.15, I'm sorry we can't really develop this today. I mean, we have different times over the years. I want you to notice what it says about this. Remember, God is speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to the devil. 
God says, and I, God, will put enmity, that hatred, conflict, between thee and the woman, that is, between the devil and the woman, and between thy seed, that is, the seed of the devil, and her seed, that is, the seed of the woman, it, that the seed woman, shall bruise thy head. Literally, that means to deal a fatal blow. And thou, devil, shall bruise his heel. So you have two different kinds of bruising there. You've got a head wound, which is fatal, destructive, and you've got a heel bruise, which is painful, but not fatal and not eternal. Of course, we realize that ultimately that those both took place at the cross. Right? The devil bruised his heel, but the, the Lord Jesus crushed, bruised the serpent's head. Now, keep, let's go to, to Romans chapter 5 for just a moment. Again, we have to let the Word of God dictate to us, tell us what the truth is, even though we don't understand it. And I have to confess, I don't understand how this is all, how it all works out, how it's all possible, but it's the power of God. We know that Eve... <clears throat> ate the fruit first. And then she gave it to Adam. And by the way, that was the only prohibition. Don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of evil. He said, eat, eat, the tree, eat the fruit of all the trees freely, but this one is you're not to eat of. But you know the story, how the devil came in the form of a serpent and beguiled, that is, he deceived Eve into believing his lie, and she ate the fruit, and then gave it to Adam. And the Bible says in Timothy that the woman was not deceived. Right? Adam, I'm sorry, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now she, so she was involved in the transgression. She suffered consequences back in Genesis 3. But I find it very interesting and very significant that Romans 5 and verse 12 does not hold Eve responsible for the sin of the human race. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man sin entered in the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Talks about Adam. In later on in the chapter, that it was Adam who plunged the human race into sin. Or right, go back to Luke chapter one. The way that God was able to be just and the justifier was through the virgin birth of his son. Because Mary was a virgin, therefore, um, Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin, and therefore no human father. Right? Joseph was the legal heir. Because he was married, he would become Mary's husband. Therefore, he would be like the foster father, the legal father, which would put Jesus Christ in line for the throne because Joseph would have been in line for the throne. That's part of the purpose of Matthew 1. The genealogy from Abraham to Christ through Joseph's line. Later in this study, we're going to get to Luke 3 one of these years, I mean one of these weeks, 
And we're going to see there the genealogy of Jesus back to Adam through Mary's side. Right? So, anyway, so this comes up every time I asked it yesterday because I want to make sure. Because everywhere they said, never at, the question is always asked of the Kende, why was the virgin birth essential? And of course, Josiah nailed it, thankfully. Um, I've heard it said recently, and I've read articles and books and heard so-called preachers who ought to know better say that whether Jesus was virgin born or not makes no difference to, the, to this individual. He's still our Savior. No, he's not. Because you know the situation. Joseph and Mary were not married yet. If Mary was not a virgin, then and she had Jesus, he would have been born of, 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 of fornication. He would have been a sinner just like us. Could save nobody. So please don't listen to anybody who tries to tell you that it doesn't matter if he was virgin born or if Mary was a virgin or not. And I, I don't know, I don't do this a lot, but a lot of the modern English translations of the Bible change that word virgin to young woman. And they try to do gymnastics with the language. And I understand that the word in the Hebrew words Alma can mean young, young lady or maiden. But I also know that in the book of Deuteronomy, in the law, it says this, a guy could come and say, hey, when I got married to this woman, I found her not a maid. Now that doesn't mean I found out she wasn't a girl. <laughs> no. I found out she wasn't a virgin. And the, husband, the virgin's parents, to prove her purity, would bring the, what they call the tokens of her virginity. In other words, the bloody sheets and so on. Alright? Anyway, so... It means a virgin, one who was never, had never been um, with a man, and that was the only way that she could give birth to the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. So absolutely essential that she be a virgin, absolutely essential that she not yet be actually married to Joseph, and that they had never yet come together, and so on. Let's, let's go through Rest the rest of verse 27. <clears throat> to a virgin, a spouse, and that's the word there is the idea of a, a promise or betrothed or a spouse. It was, by the way, that was a legally binding agreement, arrangement, a covenant. It is similar to our engagement but it's different in that it was legally binding. Once a person was a spouse, in fact, according they, they would have to have a writing, they'd have to have a divorce letter, whatever paper, in order to break this espousal. So it meant that they were both, the men and women, were legally bound to each other, yet they did not yet live together, they didn't have not had sex together, nothing physical. This period of espousal usually lasted about a year. During that year, the husband-to-be would make preparations for his wife-to-be. He would, he would make sure there was a house. And he would make sure that things were provided. And one of the, you know, one of the marvels, I don't know if you caught this, in reading the Old Testament, Christ's sideline, but in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells us that when somebody was newly married, they were free for a year. Remember that? Back in the Old Testament. No war, no business. He was free at home for a whole year. You know what the Bible says? It says this, to cheer up his wife. 
They had a whole year free. A year honeymoon, so to speak. Anyway, that's, that's another subject. But what I'm saying is, this was, this was a binding situation. So Mary and Joseph were as good as married, although they were still living separately. And that was important as well. So she was a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. He was from the lineage of David. We find out in Luke 2 that that's why they had to go back to Bethlehem. To register because Joseph was a descendant of David. So the grand virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her, verse 28, and said, Hail, which means rejoice, be glad. I've got good news for you. Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So, a couple of things that the angel said. Hail again means rejoice, be glad. It's the idea of I've got great news for you. I've got a wonderful announcement. And then um, highly favored means recipient of grace. That means made accepted. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Because there is a verse, and I'm going to turn quickly, you can turn there if you like, but Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, the same exact word. The same exact Greek word is used as translated highly favored. In Ephesians 1 and verse 6, it says this, To the praise of the glorious grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now that, leave out the little word us, and it's the same exact word. Made accepted. So that tells us something about Mary. She was not acceptable in and of herself. There was nothing in Mary except that she was a virgin and believed in God, right? And, and that's why, you know, she was chosen to bear the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Then the angel also says, so we, didn't, we understand that, you know, highly favored, the grace of God, all right? She was not immaculate. That's one of the lies straight from the devil in hell. Mary was not immaculate. She was not immaculately conceived. Mary was not conceived without sin. And her own words, we won't get there today, but I think next Lord's Day, Lord willing, we'll get to Mary's own testimony of who and what she was. Okay. Now she met the qualifications because she was a virgin. So, and by the way, the Roman Catholics are especially about to ones. They're the ones who basically elevate Mary way beyond where she ought to be. And they even try to use some of these passages to, they twist them to teach their false doctrine. They call her mother of God. She's not. God has no mother. Anyway. We could say about Jesus Christ, as God, he had no mother. As man, he had no father. That is no human father. Right? Think about that. Now, the Lord is with thee. The Bible says. <clears throat> the Lord is with thee. That is, God is in your life in a special way and for a special purpose. God has brought you to this place in your life. He has worked. Blessed art thou among women. So all the women, all the virgins in that day, in the line of David, Mary was especially chosen by God to be the mother of his only begotten son. Blessed art thou. Notice that 
It doesn't say that she's blessed above women. Blessed among women. Among women. Okay? It's very important. All right. Now what about, let's, that's his appearance. Then here pretty soon comes the announcement. First of all, take a look at Mary's response. Verse 29 says, And when she saw him, Mary's troubled reaction. If you're taking notes, if you're keeping score, here's another example, here's another reference of what happens when a person really sees an angel. And when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled. What was Zacharias' response? He was troubled in Luke 1 to That's what happens when somebody really sees an angel. You know, they're troubled. They're fearful. And she, and she, um, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind, thought about, considered very carefully, what manner of salutation, what manner of greeting this should be, what manner of a, of a, of a, a message from the angel, what is this all about, she's thinking. Here's his, Gabriel's assurance to her. The angel, and his, the angel said to her, Fear not Mary. The idea of that word is that not that Mary wasn't afraid, and the angel comforts her. The idea is that she was afraid. It's the idea of stop being afraid. Don't fear. Same, that's the language of the New Testament. For example, one time when later on Jesus was going to the city of Nain, they brought, they brought a man out. Uh, in a coffin and taken into the cemetery to bury him and the people of town, the mother they're, they're walking along and Jesus comes to the woman and says weep not he didn't say, he didn't say don't start crying <laughs> he says stop crying don't cry anymore and then he raised her son from the dead But so that's the language of the testament fear not, stop fearing stop being afraid Mary God knows us by name. You notice that? For thou hast found favor with God. Notice. Thou hast found favor with God. That can only mean one thing in the Scripture. That is that Mary sought God's favor and found it. Same kind of language as is found back in the book of Genesis, when God is angry, God sees the whole world is in wickedness and evil. And the Bible says in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, he sought for it. For Mary sought the grace of God. So, even before she's being chosen for this great, great task and privilege, she was already part of the remnant that the Bible talks about. The remnant of Israel, those who fear God. And, and we're going to find out, again, when we look at Mary's own words in, in, in the later part of chapter number one, to, to see the background that she had in the scriptures. She already knew the word of God. She already knew the promises of God. But again, she's not. She doesn't know. We'll get what this is all about. Thou hast found favor with God, verse thirty-one. And behold, here's the announcement. Wow, what, think of this. 
And behold, <clears throat> thou shalt conceive in thy womb, now this is Gabriel still talking, and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. Name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called, that is named, the Son of the Highest, that is the, the Most High, God. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, you know, his ancestor, his forefather, David. Humanly speaking, Jesus was born in the, in the lineage of David, and we'll see that more as we progress through the book of Luke. He shall be great. Shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And that was the throne where David ruled over Israel. And he's going to, the Lord Jesus will rule there as well. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So, Notice that this is this whole 31 to 33. It's all about Israel. This is God's, these are the promises to Israel. The throne of David. The house of Jacob. You can't twist that. A lot of people try to twist that around and say it's the church. I understand. There's other verses coming up where the Gentiles are mentioned, but not here. It's only about Israel here. This is what he's going to do. He will be great. And there's a lot of other stuff that had to happen before. We know that as we look back. But this is the prophecy. This is the birth. The prophecy of the birth of the Son of God. The one who will reign. The one who will rule. In other words, the one who is the promised Messiah. The deliverer of Israel. The rain, the rule. Now we have the asking, we have the announcement, verses 31 to 33. Then we have Mary had a question. Then said Mary unto the angel, How should this be, seeing I know not a man? Well, she didn't say, How can this be? Or how, she says, how shall, how shall it be? Seeing I know not a man. And the word know there is a word in the Bible that means to know sexually. I need to speak plain. Starts at the first time it's used is Genesis chapter 4 when it says, Adam knew Eve's wife and she conceived and bare a son and called him Cain. She called him Cain, saying, I've gotten a man from the Lord. That was the words of Eve. Mary said, how can I, how am I going to, how is this going to happen since I haven't been with my, my I haven't been with anybody. I had been with Joseph. And the passage that we read that earlier for scripture reading says very plainly, before they came together, talking about Joseph and Mary, she would be found. She was found with child. That hasn't happened yet, but it's going to, as the angel describes this, right? How's, it, how, how's this going to happen? So by her own testimony, she's saying, I can't... How, how, can I, how can I become pregnant? How can I have a child? I've never been with a man. You understand what she's saying, right? I hope you do. I'm sure. I mean, it's pretty plain. But it's a very important part of the whole record. 
You know, everything that's in the Bible is in there for a reason. So we'll understand, yes, this, this woman was not, you know, she was a real, genuine, virgin, young girl. Pure. Alright. Well, here's the explanation. Gabriel's explanation in verses 35 to 38. We'll cover these. Um, <clears throat> then we're done. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That's the idea there is again named or rightly called. I've talked to some Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses over here, and they love to jump on that. He doesn't say he is the Son of God, he just says he'll be called the Son of God. Man, I'll tell you what, they just anyway. But that's it's the idea that's going to be his name. He's going to be named. He will be the Son of God. Alright, so how did it how is it going to happen? The angel said to Mary, you know, very simple. Very simple. I mean, miracle, supernatural, powerful, but simple. Simply, the Holy Spirit of God would overshadow, would surround Mary, and the power of God would produce the child. Nothing physical, nothing chemical, nothing sexual, nothing biological. Simply placed there through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. How much plainer to make that? So Joseph had nothing to do with the conception or the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, people who ought to know better are not careful enough. But I read articles about his parents, Joseph and Mary, and they talk about Joseph, that Joseph was the father. No, he was not. If that was true, then I'm telling you folks, we're on our way to hell. There's no salvation. If Joseph had anything to do with Jesus' birth. I mean, how much clearer can the scriptures be? Therefore, that also holy thing, that is the product, the offspring, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Praise the Lord for that. And he's called the Son of God all throughout the scripture. Even in the Old Testament, he's prophetically called the Son of God. And I know, I know you understand. Uh, you know, you understand, or at least up to, to a part, to, to a point, the greatness of all this. Marvelous. Miracle of God. Supernatural. Well, then we have an example, an explanation. In verse 35, and then another example to encourage Mary, another working of God. Says this, and behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she was never related, she hath also conceived a son, this is verse 36, in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Now, obviously, that, we've talked about it, but the difference between that conception was that God enabled Zacharias and Elizabeth to, to conceive and have, have a child the natural way, right? They were both old. Remember, Elizabeth, 
never was able to have children, barely. But now she's able because God enabled her. God evidently loves to do that. There's a whole bunch of names, a whole bunch of ladies in the Old Testament that couldn't have children, and yet God gave them the ability. And you know, and obviously, I mean, to me, I wonder why for a while, but finally the light came on. People need to learn to depend on God. And so, the, 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 you know, Abraham, Sarah was buried. Then Isaac came along, you know, and then, and then Rebecca married Isaac, and Rebecca was buried. And then Rachel married Jacob, and Rachel was buried. And Hannah was buried. And like all, all these ladies. And, and the Bible says, he, 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 I can't, I have to look at the verse because I um, probably won't quote it right. Um, back in the book of Psalms, here's what the Bible says about God. Uh, he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise you, the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. You know, and God, people ask me today, I've had people say, you know, it's great, how come it doesn't happen today? But what does a girl do today when she can't have a baby? What does she do? She goes to the doctor. She does, takes this pill, this treatment, this therapy, and this, that, and other thing. Maybe if they just prayed, maybe God would do it the same way. In fact, I know somebody did. I'm sorry that you never got to meet. I don't think anybody here ever got to meet the Buchanans, missionaries in Canada. Uh, Bob, and Johnny, Bob and Johnny G, good old southern couple from, from uh, down around, down in Mississippi or somewhere. Anyway, they went to Canada to minister to the Indians and, and, they're, and Mrs. Buchanan, Bobby G. No, is that right? Johnny G. She, was, she could never have a baby. And they were going to minister to the Indians. Indians said, we don't listen to you. Why not? Because your wife is cursed. She doesn't have a child. So after like 14 years of marriage and so on, Johnny and Jean had a baby. And then she had another one. And uh, then all of a sudden, the baby was born, Bobby Jean Renee, right? Bobby Jean. She weighed one pound and eight ounces when she was born. Never, no baby in Canada had ever survived. Well, she survived. Not only did she survive, she thrived. She breathed, she breathed on her own, believe it or not, from the moment she was born. And get, she became the Indians in Porcupine Plain. That was the name of this town, Canada. They adopted that little baby. They called her the Miracle Baby of Canada. And can you imagine? Guess how they looked at the Buchanans after that. Now, would God do something like that? Would he let somebody go 14 years or ever without having a baby and all of a sudden have a baby and why? Because God is more concerned about his testimony. He's more concerned about the overall program on the Word of God, his eternal plan. And they, they had, I don't even know, I don't know, I haven't heard from them in a couple of years. I don't know if they're with the Lord. They're a lot older than my wife and I. And so anyway, what a difference it made. In the ministry, they had a tremendous ministry after that. Um, and so God can do it. See, God can do things but we don't ask him to. Uh, for the most part today. Um, so anyway, that's just something something out there, something for you to think about. And so he said that about Elizabeth. Um, this is the sixth month with her. She's already she's in her sixth month in verse 36. Uh, who was called Biren. There's a good example of that same word called. <laughs> it wasn't that they just said she was. She really was. And then verse 37, here's, here's the whole thing. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. 
And here's Mary's response. And Mary said, verse 38, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. That's the feminine form of the word for servant, bond slave. Basically, Mary says, I'm, I'm, I'm God's servant. Be it unto me according to thy word. In other words, she says, I'm willing. Not only I'm willing, I want it to happen. Let it happen. And the angel departed from her. Wonderful. She accepted the will of God. I think about, again, I mention this from time to time, and this might be seem so, so simple to all you, but to me it's just amazing. You know, these are real people. And Mary was willing to do it. And this, she was probably, you know, the, the estimates are that she may have been 15, 16, 14. Um, you know, the things happened younger back in those days. But as a young girl, I mean, she's willing to go through. And I, I don't believe from this, anything scripture says that, that God made it easy. I, I mean, like she had a delivery just like every other, every other, every other like woman. There was pain and so on. And then I think about. When you go into chapter number two, the journey they had to take all the way to Bethlehem from Nazareth, about 80 miles journey. We hop in our car over there in an hour and a half. But, but you know, and the journey that took days. And she's ready. She's already happy. She's great. She's, she's great with child. So she went through all that. She gave birth to the Son of God. And praise the Lord. If the Lord tarries and we're still here in a few weeks, we'll look at that great, that great, great passage of the of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, no, God did it for you and me. That's the thing. He did it for us. I mean, not just to have a nice story and show how powerful he is. No, he did it for, for humanity. For God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son. He who served believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or let's consider just three things to kind of wrap this all together, bring it to a close. Number one, God's word is always authoritative, and you must always accept it, no matter what anybody else does. You know, we're a long ways away from the Christmas season. I thought it was kind of cool to, to sing Christmas songs and have a message like this in August. Uh, where was I going? <laughs> Oh yeah, when you get there, when you get to the close of that time, you know all the all the junk that's going to be proclaimed out there. Supposedly to the Christmas, and they'll even they'll even you know they'll they'll deny the virgin birth, they'll deny that Jesus was the Son of God, and they'll you know they'll, they'll tell all kinds of things and, and blasphemies about how Jesus was born and things like that. You know, we, we just we have we can't be affected by that, and we can't let that stop us from getting getting out the true message. Folks, I want to say again, whatever the Bible says is true. We just need to accept it. Now, I remember one time a guy said, years ago when I was a kid, a preacher said this, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Then a better, a more mature preacher said, that's not right, the order is wrong. God said it, that settles it, and I accept it. Because it doesn't matter if I accept it or not. It's settled. But I want to accept it, and I hope you want to accept it too. Whatever, whatever God's word says. So that's number one. Number two, <clears throat> we must never forget that with God all things are possible. 
Whatever he wills, whatever is within his plan, whatever we ask, he's able to do. Again, there's always that James that we always need to include, Lord willing, if God is willing. And then number three, we should readily and zealously accept and do the revealed will of God every time. Whatever God's will, whatever his word says, that's his will for us. So may God help us. I love, I just, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful passage for and I trust that it's a blessing, and I trust that as we go through the book of Luke, that our, that our hearts will be thrilled anew at these great, great truths that hope by the Spirit of God and by the grace of God they'll be new to us. We will rejoice more and more. And that we will have a burden that's insatiable for others to know this Jesus that we know and love. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we can spend the night with what a what book, the book of Luke. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving it to us by inspiration of God and using dear Luke, a great follower of Christ, a beloved physician, to write this great account of, the, of thy working. And thank thee. God, help us. May the Word of God stay with us. May we leave this place with a song in our hearts and a desire to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In His precious name we pray. Amen. All right, let's take a hymn book. Hymn number 105. 105. That beautiful name. That beautiful name. The name of Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's stand please. For there is none other name under heaven given among with men whereby we must be saved. And that's Acts 12. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's say all four of these lovely, beautiful verses. We can be a hot day by today. We'd love to do that. You can talk to me here. You can see us see me at the door. We want to help. I know of a name, a beautiful name, that angels brought down to earth.